clubhouse. Ranching is the only business where the goal is to break even. Survive another season. Last long enough for your children to continue the cycle, and maybe, just maybe, the land is still theirs when a tree sprouts from you. Lord God, Lord God, give us rain and a little luck and we'll do the rest. And this is Sheila. And welcome to Pod Clubhouse coverage of Yellowstone, Season 1, Episode 7. Today we are talking about A Monster is Among Us. So ominous. Very ominous, especially as we're in the final third of the season. So I know. I know. This has gone fast. What are you, uh, how are you doing today? What's I'm doing on? good. How are you? I'm having a very New York kind of a day. <laughs> Isn't that when, like, something just, it just, like, all goes wrong? Yeah, I feel like, well, I just feel like I just had most New York thing ever in my life. (laughs) Um, It's raining here, so the birds that are hanging around in my neighborhood have decided to take lodge in my, the bushes outside my house. And, like, I'm like, what is this? It sounds like a Hitchcock Hitchcock movie over here. All these birds (laughs) chirping. So, like, open the window, and I'm like, oi, birds! I just feel like, oh my god! Like, how much more New York can I like, get? Hey, you down there? Yeah, basically. Shut like, up! I'm walking here. Come on, because <laughs> you know nobody needs to hear the squawk of like a dozen birds outside my window here. But, um, <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. So then I went outside to like shake the bushes to like, get them out because like they weren't they weren't responding to oi bird, <laughs> and I got a splinter. <laughs> So, oh my gosh! Um, I hope everyone appreciates the trials and tribulations <laughs> that we go through to uh, it's to get a hard me. job being a podcaster. Exactly, you know, all glory and no love, I guess. But, but. <laughs> yeah, or if you could hear the threats that we give our, the people in our house, like if you come in here and yeah. make any noise, if you breathe even louder than you know you're supposed to, I'm going to brain you people. Yeah. But uh, yeah, if the doors closed, don't open it. Oh yeah, that doesn't apply to my. Oh, there's my cat. My cat just walked in. <laughs> yeah, my podcasting partner. Besides yeah. Steph. Yeah, right. <laughs> He's my cat Oliver. Uh, so, Ollie. Yeah. Ollie, my little fat Oliver. But uh, yeah, no. I, uh, other than the birds and now the dog and the cat, so oh, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Okay, good. Well. How are you? Good. Yeah, good. Can you top that? <laughs> no, I feel like I was like, I have a very lazy day today, but then feel kind of busy, which is weird. So it's like, I don't have anywhere to go, but then I had a Zoom call for my kid's school, and then I have this, and I have something else. And so I'm just like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not doing anything, but still feel busy. But so. there's a lot going on. No, yeah. that makes sense. Let's get started. Yeah. This crazy bear episode yeah this was heavily laced with uh the bear and i, I feel like the the bear is like the red herring the, you know yeah. the the monster among us is not necessarily the bear but maybe what he stands for i mean he's a very scary bear though he's a, he's a very scary bear for sure. <laughs> but not as scary as what's happening with monica yeah that is awful so I definitely don't want to open the scene in like brain surgery. Yeah, like, brain surgery. I don't like, really want to see that. Skeeviest of all uh, the surgery. Is skeevy a word? Is skeevy a word in Texas? 
I mean, yeah, I've heard that, but okay. I mean, I don't okay. think we say that. Oh yeah, no, like I, I'll say that, like it just skews me out. So yeah, so brain surgery is one of the most grossest sounds. <sighs> Sorry. Okay. Yeah, anyway. I don't. It's like I definitely I closed my eyes, like for real. But it's just for me, it's the sounds, like the oops. yeah. I could hear. That's... No, I'm not even going there. It's just no, it's don't just gross. Say it. It's just gross. It's just gross. <laughs> It's just gross. And that's pretty serious, like, bad stuff is happening. If yeah, like, any cutting you, your brain open. Yeah, if you have to have your cranium opened up and, you know, they're poking around in your, the guts of your head, no thank you. <laughs> it's just not, not a good time for it all. <laughs> ah, and this, this is really is so serious. Bad. I mean, like, what yeah. the doctor is telling Casey is some pretty serious stuff. Like, she made it through the surgery and not most it would. Like, how do you even recover from a statement like that? It's pretty, it's so awful. This was really hard to watch with Casey being that upset and then Tate being upset and not being able to see his mom and being restrained. Like, how awful is that? Yeah. So, yeah, so all of that being really hard to see with, like, Casey insisting on seeing her. And you just knew in that moment, like, this is not going to be good. He's not going to like what he sees because, like, her with the big head bandage and him doing CPR where we left off is now made so much worse by the fact that she's on a ventilator and she's, like, her face is really swollen. Yeah. I noticed later that she had, like, bruising on her face. Yeah. Probably from hitting the sidewalk. Well, I mean, so A, she fell down on the sidewalk after getting punched. And B, when she fell down and, like, was out cold, she fell down again and hit her head on the ground again. So, you know, there's going to be some damage. But, yeah, seeing her all bandaged up and on a ventilator and then, like, when Tate goes ballistic in the waiting room with the nurse. Mm -hmm. I don't know. The hospital system I used to work in, they called uh, the rapid response team Team Burt for a behavioral emergency response team. Okay. And, like, the Team Burke guys were, like, these big burly dudes. And, like, you, you didn't mess with them because, like, they're basically, like, the takedown team. Yeah. Like, they're going to subdue. The yeah, basically, like, the hospital bouncers. So, like, if there's any type of thing going on and, you, like, if you hear Team Burke to the lobby, you're like, uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> Not good. Uh- but, you know, these guys are trained in, you know, beha- is safe takedowns. Like, they know the moves and things like that. Yeah, of course. And, yeah, they'll do it to a kid as well because, yo, kid, kids are strong. They're very strong. And we don't give them enough credit. And a little kid <laughs> no. can... They can I mean, really hurt you. They can really hurt you. And, you know, they have little things that can jab really hard, like elbows <laughs> and knees. But, yeah, no, I just felt really bad. I felt for, bad for everybody, but the doctor called it really well. He's like, you know, he has a really accurate reaction to having cowboys in his waiting room. Yes. <laughs> But it got so much worse for me. Like that was bad. It was. It would, like that felt like it got bad. Like from bad to worse. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know if that was the bottom for Casey's emotional journey. But it got so much worse. Yeah. When they were in the motel and Tate's like, "Dad, Dad, are you awake?" Mm. And, and I was just like sobbing. Like, is there Silently. anything sadder in, than just the abject terror that Casey's feeling in that moment? No. It's pretty awful. I think he did a really good job in, like, relaying how much despair he's in Mm -hmm. in just a few minutes. And this hits a little bit too close to home because my sister had a traumatic brain brain injury in a car accident that I was involved in. And so it's that of, like coming out to the waiting room and be like well she survived but like we don't know we don't know anything and then my brother-in-law like coming back to my house and doing the same thing like just breaking down i mean it's right. horrible so there's a lot there yeah, that's a lot of emotion definitely. yeah 
it's and, not fun. And that's what this show, I think, does really well, is that it drives home these really realistic scenes for people that make these characters relatable. Mm-hmm. Like, this felt like the trough moment, right? In the, in the in terms of, like, his emotional spectrum. Yeah. And then, like, the next day, she's feeling some sensations, but she's not feeling everything. I mean, the fact that she's able to move and she's feeling the sensations. Yeah, like, I and guess talk. Like, and... Yeah, the doctor's really pleased that she has speech. But then, like, you just feel like, again, like, she's trying to put her spoon into the pudding. Mm-hmm. And how terribly... How much of a struggle it really is for her. You just know that this is going to be such a long road to recovery. It is. With brain injuries, it's it's hard. Like, I mean, my sister had to learn how to walk and talk and all of that again. And, like, over how much time? Like, probably years, right? No, she recovered amazingly quickly. It was wow. literally a miracle. Like, I guess, I don't know, I'm not going to tell you that this is what the doctor told me, but it was sort of along the lines of, like, once you, like, the, the ability to speak. It's like she had all the words still in there right. because she could speak before. So it's like once they got her to fit her body to figure out how to make the noises again, then the speech came. So it's like she went from not talking within, like, a week she was speaking sentences again. They may not have all been coherent, but she had the words it's not like she had to learn the english language all over again but she had to learn how to use that part of her brain right to unlock that part again. yeah wow so, it's, so yeah my hats are always off to like occupational and speech therapists oh, it's amazing. because like i think they have like the hardest job especially in in moments like that but she's frustrated you can see it mm-hmm. casey's just it's hard terrified yeah can we talk about the final scene between them yeah so you get the feeling that she didn't like had this moment where she didn't recognize him right yes okay i wanted him to confirm that that was what i was feeling for her at that moment because like momentarily like she she was there like holding his hand and then it's like came this look over her face like oh wait like who are you yeah i mean she was just in, in that second just talking to her grandfather and his face is what drove home that point for me the look on his face was she doesn't know who he is yeah, that's scary. I'm hoping that things get better for her. I don't think Casey could go on a day without her in his life. Yeah. It seems like she has a long road ahead of her, but she made it through the surgery. She's alive. She's talking. She's, you know, aware of her surroundings and repeating herself. But still, it looks hopeful is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Like, she definitely had the memory lapse of like, oh, and speaking of our son, where is he? And yeah, like, we just answered that. <laughs> My sister uh, thought she had a heart attack. She was like 20-something or so, 30. Oh, no. They were like, no, a car accident. She's like, I had a heart attack? I'm like, no, a car accident. Oh, wow. So that was, it's not funny, but it's like. It's, it's just how her brain is processing it's it. It's so weird to be like, what? Yeah, like what's happening here? Oh, so. my gosh. And I can't say that things got a ton better from this standpoint in the episode. Yeah, this is like a lot of really tough stuff today yeah so i wanted to do like a little side note sure on um grandpa i'm gonna call i like to call him papa felix yeah papa felix um saging monica <laughs> and uh, first of all my of course i was like hello oxygen stop t-. i know I'm like like you're oh gonna blow God. everybody up. Like you're gonna blow everyone to kingdom come <laughs> but then i love how he's the doctor was like chastising he was like well it worked didn't it yes he's, and he's like so satisfied in that moment like <laughs> your yeah. western medicine knew what 
So I wanted to just like mention that, that I love, I don't want to call it a superstition or like people's belief systems it's their traditions. and traditions. And like, I 100% believe that those types of things do help in people's recoveries. Like Absolutely. The things that they've grown up with, they're comfortable with. Mm-hmm. My mom is a nurse. And when in like the early eighties, she was taking care of this kid who was hit by a car. He was traumatic brain injury does not even begin to describe what happened to him oh gosh he was 17 he lost all the ability he was in a coma for like three or four months the doctors were like just shut off the machine and the parents were like nope we're gonna they hired my mom and another nurse basically to work like 12 hour shifts with him in a coma to do like physical therapy while he was in a coma to keep his his muscles up and along with the therapy the nurses my mom and the other nurse they said have his friends come in have them bring in the cassette tapes because this was the 80s that he would listen to all the time play it have them have them have their conversations here with him mm-hmm. like as if they were just hanging out in the basement or whatever and it worked like he would like his the brain waves on the machine that was keeping him alive you know that was monitoring his brain activity would perk up Wow. When they were playing and like Phil Collins, like in the air tonight was like one of the big albums at the time. My mom to this day, like can't listen to that album because she's like, it just brings me back. This guy ended up coming out of the coma. He ran the New York City Marathon in 1990. He's still in my mom's life. As wow. like, yeah, last year he invited her to this dinner, raising money for traumatic brain injury, you know, recovery so that families don't have to like quit their jobs, move out of their homes, basically and provide yeah. support for them. But yeah, like that's a real thing. Like, you know, bringing in the, the things that are comfortable to that patient. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm a yeah. big fan of that. Yeah. I liked that he did that and was doing what he believed was going to help her, you know, and even we, though we have he could no have killed her. <laughs> and we have no evidence to know if it, if it was that or if yeah. it was something else, but we'll never know. It's a mystery. Yes. But uh, from there, things just keep spiraling downward for, well, I guess John is really kind of the next big player in John has had a really rough thing like time of it lately and for me to feel sympathy for John he's not a character that exudes the need for sympathy and that's really what I've been feeling for him these last couple episodes really since we got the cancer diagnosis from him I feel like I've been a little softer on his character like I don't feel as he's as hard now as he was like in the very beginning of this season but then there's then there's moments where like the old John is still there yeah, like when he he meets the uh, the Chinese tourists, <laughs> looking at a, a grizzly bear from a hundred feet away, uh. and you know he's giving them the, basically a lesson in capitalism and that, you know, the Wild West is still alive and well in Montana. <laughs> so like the episode being called "A Monster Is Among Us" and we're seeing the bear, I'm thinking that the bear is really kind of the metaphor for what John's fighting for and how many people don't understand his way of life and why he does the things that he does. Am I off base on that sort of corollary? No, I think you're right. I think that, yeah, I mean, obviously we're we're looking for symbolism here, but we're sort of getting the idea in the season that John's way of life is being threatened. I think it's really interesting how the bear is misplaced, how he's been seen out of his normal element. And I think it's like the river being moved and... Yeah. Like, did this sort of trickle down ripple effect into somehow changing this bear's behavior? So it's like kind of the same thing with John and then dealing with rainwater and Jenkins and all these things are just sort of rippling around each other. So I think it's sort of all a metaphor. What you just said 
just spurred a thought because the actions that the bear was taking in the beginning where the Chinese tourists are looking at him and he seemed to be like almost like if he was digging in a river yeah. like trying to catch like the fish or whatever. like in the middle of a field though so right it's like... in the middle of a field where there's nothing like is the bear thirsty is the bear you know I didn't even like really make the connection it's like something's wrong with the bear the, like yeah, the, something is wrong with the bear yeah the, the bear is not where he's supposed to be and he's like digging in the middle of a field like that right, the bear's not... not doing normal bear behavior yeah but... so I just feel like it is sort of you know, John's actions have rippled into other people's, vice versa. Same way with the bear in the river. So it's like there's cause and effect is sort of what I got out of it. Too. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And then he moves on to giving. So he's on. He's in a tuxedo. Yeah, which has, a shotgun, like, has a shotgun handy in his car, of course, <laughs> as you do. Like, look like it's two in the afternoon, and I was like, "Where are you going? Where are you going, John?" And then yeah, so he's off to the Stockman's dinner to give the keynote speech. And he gives this really poetic tribute about ranching, further bolstering the reason for us as to why he's so invested. It's it's not just about him. It is a multi-generational contribution. He yeah. talks about going back to like 1886, reminding people what they're doing this for, for your family and that they, they'll take on from you. Yeah, exactly. And then what happens? He sits down and what's that? What's, who's at his table? Oh my gosh, nobody. His family did not show up. Oh my God. Oh. I actually felt angry for him. That's a big embarrassment, especially for like Jamie not to show up. Exactly. Like he's got an imminent campaign starting. Like, isn't this his constituency? Yeah, I would be so embarrassed. I'd be mad. I, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I was mad for him. Like, yeah. the least you ungrateful children can do is show up at the damn dinner that my organization's, you know, supports. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of, it's like not a big deal for some like, random dinner or whatever but it is a big deal because he's the president and his right. family's jamie's trying to win the attorney general seat and i feel like if you're standing at the podium you need to have like at least your table full of like your friends and exactly <laughs> and like not for anything like it's not just about his family like there's room obviously at the table for more than just his family he doesn't have any friends right he's got carl carl he's gone fishing with carl's actually in the audience but he's sitting somewhere else. Yeah. You know, John's kind of like an island unto himself. And, and then later he said the governor didn't even speak to him. Right. There's definitely more than meets the eye here. And did you catch that he said that there was a shift? Yes. So, yeah. So after he's chastising Jamie for not being there, he, he mentions the shift. Like the governor, like you said, the governor didn't come and talk to him. And when he was sitting at the table, he was looking around. Yeah. And everybody else was talking to each other and kind of looking his way. Is yeah. this fallout, you think, from the cancer diagnosis, like words getting out? I think it's a little bit of everything. I mean, you know, there's stories and rumors, I'm sure, whatever was in the paper and the cattle battle and all this. So, yeah. Yeah. So he's had a couple, you know, tough months and now, you know, they're all out and about and seeing each other. I get the feeling that they don't you see know. each other all that often. So I think it's just a, a accumulation of all these things happening. And then so, yeah, they're just talking about him. He's a speaker, but he's and I got nobody here. Yeah. No, nobody's supporting him. So, yeah. So that'll be interesting to see how this plays out because his health is still threatened. As we see. As we see, right? Graphically. (laughs) I I like how he was, like, deflecting his own embarrassment by saying that, you know, he was hoping that the nurse wouldn't see anything. And the doctor's like, yeah, she's seen it all. Yeah. And really, nurses have seen everything. I'm sure. There's there's nothing you can't show a nurse that she hasn't been like, yeah, I've seen that before. (laughs) 
unless it's a surprise nurse you you have to you know wake up pretty early in the morning (laughs) (laughs) so yeah so he's still getting a scan and they see something and I mean, it was it like the same? It's like the same day he comes home and he's vomiting blood. Yeah, maybe not the same day, but you know what I'm saying. Like, no, it's I, like... I feel like it was the same day. I feel like he got home after he spotted Tate in the waiting room. Yes. That's... So again, their family dysfunction is on display. So Casey didn't give his father enough respect to be like, uh, "My mom is my my right. wife." Rather, is in intensive care at the hospital. She was knocked out cold. And yeah, why don't they know? One hand washes the other, I feel. Like, John's upset that nobody was at his Stockman's dinner, but then he also didn't tell his children that he was sick. Yeah. You know, so, like, respect is earned, respect is given, but it is a two-way street. He's not giving them the respect, and then he's acting shocked when they don't respect him back. So maybe it's not the most adult of ways to behave but um you know he's very shocked to see tate sitting there and you know but he he jumps into action to bring tate back to the ranch so just to piggyback on that i do feel that the doctor was more honest with john about monica than the doctors with casey and like casey realizes like there's like this look of shock on his face when Mm, i didn't pick up on that oh yeah when the doctor's Mm -hmm. telling john like it's just it was just the way he said things to Casey versus John. It like he was telling John like this was pretty serious, and Casey's like, "Wait, what?" Yeah, it was very subtle. It was very well done, but I feel like the doctor and John have some sort of history. I feel like John knows everybody in Montana. That was just an interesting dynamic, and I, I kind of picked up on the difference in tone from the doctor because again, the doctor had to break up a fight with Casey in the lobby That's true, in the waiting yeah. room, so it, he's already been colored by Casey's behavior. But I did feel worried for John at the end when he's he's scared. When he yeah. actually throws it. He's and he's he's talking out loud to I don't know if it's a prayer, to himself, to the universe, to God. I don't know who it's to. Right. But uh he's scared. It's not for me this is not a good look for him. It's scary though. I mean it's it's like a real moment, like seeing him speak out loud, like, okay, I I, I need some help here. Right. I'm not ready for this. Yeah, it was really terrifying. It was hard to watch, too, when he was in pain in front of Tate and trying to sort of, like, get through that moment. Like, I need you to, Beth, like, telling Beth I need you to go in there with him. It's like, <laughs> why can't he just, I wanted to say, like, I don't feel good. Like, I need to go lay down. <laughs> well, I mean, come he's on. just like, like we have some rough and tumble men in our lives who yeah. don't, like, admit that they need help <laughs> or they're in pain or whatever it ends up being. But, you know, just talking about John being in a painful way being scared his health being threatened i feel like this is going to make him more dangerous i think it's going to make him more risky in terms of like decision making that he makes going forward mm. i think he might be more aggressive trying to um because he, he feels his time is limited i or feel like yeah like to... yeah because his time might be limited that he might have to take some aggressive steps mm-hmm. to safeguard his family where he thought he might have had I, don't, I mean, I don't know how old he is. I'm going to say he's around 60 in his 60s. Uh-huh. I would say, right? Because if, if Jamie's, what, 36, Lee was older. Yeah. So he'd be around 60, I'd say, thereabouts. He might have thought he had 30 more years versus maybe being sick and not being here for very much longer. So I don't know. It'll it'll remain to be seen. But that's my that's my gut feeling is that he might be a little more risk of, um, uh, less risk averse and more, more dangerous, more un- unhinged, I guess. Out of his element, kind of like the bear. You know, essentially John's water source has been moved, <laughs> metaphorically, right? He's yeah. got rainwater that he wasn't anticipating with the cattle battle and just 
other forces that are working around him that are upsetting his equilibrium. Well, we'll see. Yeah. But that can't be good. No. Blood in the toilet is not good. Ever. No. Not really. <laughs> yeah, we're just really gross this episode between yeah, the brain surgery and puking in the toilet. and <sighs> Very graphic. Very graphic this episode. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to something happier. Let's move on to Jamie. <laughs> oh, Jamie. Jamie and Christina. He's got like little stars in his eyes. Like he's all excited. Yeah, their chemistry, is, <laughs> yeah their chemistry is really undeniable. I like Christina's like, this is my favorite part. Before this, before the cold pizza, before, uh, you know. <laughs> she does like, like, okay. <laughs> she sounds so idealistic about like the notion of politics, you know, making mm-hmm. change and shaping ideas into policy. And I'm sorry, we are recording this in November of 2020. Yeah. So I'm just going to say all politics aside, I, you know, we shun politics in the show, but I'm going to say it's a hard sell sounding so idealistic about anything related to politics, mm-hmm. looking through the lens of November, 2020. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I like his honesty though. I like that. He's like, I don't, I'm not looking to change the world. Like I want to keep everything the way it is and protect my way of life. And I liked that he said that because that's really why he's there. So I thought it was very interesting what he said, that he's after power, not progress. Yeah. It immediately made me think of what Rainwater said to John when he was in jail, when John had him jailed after the cattle battle. Yeah. That, you know, Rainwater was saying, I am the opposite of progress. I am the future. I'm the past catching up to you. Mm hmm. And basically, he wants to revert back to the old way of life. I feel like there's a, a, a symbiosis between what Rainwater was saying there and what Jamie's saying here. Is that they're after the status quo. They're just after different status quos. Yeah. You know, I just thought it was exactly. very... Yeah. Like, so Rainwater has his vision and Jamie has his vision. And while they're looking at the same thing, they're just seeing the end result very differently. But exactly. I just, I just thought that was an interesting corollary to what he was saying. And then I just thought it was hilarious that I thought like Christina was about to have like a <laughs> a Meg Ryan moment in, in the break room from like when Harry met Sally. Yeah. I'm surprised that there wasn't some sort of action between them because I thought they, they were going to kiss. Yeah. Like there was definitely like that sexual tension was there. And, you know, Jamie kind of like laughs it off. Like, I don't know what it is about break rooms. I don't know that he would make a move, though. I, yeah, I just feel that he... She seems like the one who would make a move, but he doesn't. And that's bad in my eyes. <laughs> yeah, it almost made me think that he's not had that much experience with the ladies. Right. Okay, I'm not far off base then, because I was just no. like, he doesn't know what to do here. Exactly. I was like, dude... He like, misread the signs. Like, she like, was just definitely <laughs> coming on to him. And like I feel like he was misreading all those signs. I'm not sure he would have had the... I'll use the word guts... To kiss her. Yeah. Like, when he should have. Right, like, in the appropriate moment. Yeah, no, I exactly. agree. It's kind of like a missed opportunity for you, man. She would have let you kiss her. He does much better in the realm of, you know, the man snooping on the porch and you know, <laughs> drawing a shotgun. Like, those cues he read very well. Yeah. <laughs> that was funny. I liked that scene. I know we're going to talk about Dan and Rainwater in a little while, but is that the lawsuit that they were mounting against John, do you think? Yeah, I think that. With? Okay, I think that's the uh, like environmental statute. Lawsuit. Yeah, yeah, lawsuit. Yeah. Okay, and then just the final thought that I had about Jamie is that when he actually does kick off his campaign, I feel that he's either I'm not sure if it's like if he's insincere or unrehearsed. 
in what he's telling the team who's assembled. It just didn't feel that it was coming from the heart. Like I just, if he was rehearsed, if it was a rehearsed statement, he needed to do it a couple more times to kind of get the emphasis right on the words. Mm -hmm. This is where I also think that he just doesn't have a lot of personal interactions with people because he just kind of missteps yeah. In how he was dealing with Christina and how he was delivering the message. It just felt very robotic. I think that's really what it came down to. I felt like Jamie is really interesting because sometimes he seems so confident. I don't know if I would ever call him aggressive, but, you know, like with the guy on the porch, like he took charge there. But then sometimes he seems so unsure of himself and even insecure. It's like there's moments where he could command the room, but then he like doesn't. So right. he's an inexperienced politician. Like he doesn't know how to give campaign speeches to a room full of volunteers so i'd would take it as he just doesn't have the experience on how to confidently deliver a speech like that yeah so i feel like we're both on the same page yeah i did think it was interesting that sarah the reporter was there taking notes yeah that's a little scary caught her digging she's still digging for her crooked cops from queens (laughs) yeah So, I mean, she doesn't work for a local paper there, so she's... What, did she ever say who she worked for? I don't know if she said who she works for. I don't think so. But I get the feeling that they're... I mean, not to get the feeling. They said, it the, her partner said at the last episode that uh, we're here for vacation. You're not here to work. Right. So, so is she freelancing? Is she maybe calling back to her paper in New York saying, hey, I've got this scoop. It was on CNN and I'm investigating. I don't know. Yeah. It's one way to get your uh, vacation written off. start working start working oh my gosh yeah so i wasn't sure why she was there i was like i was like uh oh i think she's just fascinated by like the duttons Mm -hmm. and now that she's digging she sees oh well now his son is running for attorney general what can i dig up there yep this is bad news bears you know we keep coming (laughs) back to these bears but there was one thing that i did pick up on and i was like "Mm, maybe she's not who i thought she was Christina was managing his phones while he's giving this kickoff speech to his uh, his campaign team. Yep. And she just, Yellowstone Ranch, ignore. She already knows that the family is bad. And I wrote down in my notes, bad news bears. No, you didn't. <laughs> I swear to God. What? <laughs> I'm looking at my notes right now because I just saw the, the thing about the phones and I was like, the family is bad news bears. No way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, like, stuff. you're in my subconscious or I'm in yours. And I'm so sorry. I apologize. Do we have the same brain? I think we do. So weird. But yeah, the family is bad news bears. So she's already hit to the fact that, like, these people are bad news. <laughs> I was thinking Sarah was bad news bears for being snooping around. That's what I'm saying. Well, I mean, she's just doing her job. But uh, no, but Chris- then I remember that Christina saw Beth on display in the governor's mm-hmm. office and, and all of that. So she's just like, yeah, Yellowstone, we're just going to distance him from you. Ignore. Ignore. And then I felt bad because it was Rip who needed help. And it, like, if Rip is calling, then yeah, then it is bad news bears. Uh, yeah, that's literally. Not good. <laughs> but before we get to Rip and the bears, yeah, did you want to talk about Beth? Let's circle back because we're talking about all of our Dutton's yeah. family. So <laughs> I did think it was funny. John's like, "Where's Beth?" And Jamie's like, "Uh, pick a bar down." Like I don't know, yeah. but she's in her room crying like a teenage girl, listening to Little Drummer Boy. No, I don't think that was actually. I think what it was she just was in her brain. To. Yeah, I think it was just like the nice segue. But yeah, yeah. Um, no, I don't. Think I don't think I've ever cried that. to parump pump pump. <laughs> no, she's in a room like crying. I'm sorry. Like, was that sincere in of me? I'm sorry. <laughs> Maybe Beth Dutton is very for me. <laughs> this girl and her mother yeah. need some therapy. Like what the hell? So we had a little. I said, f- that, I said that Texan on purpose. Yeah, that was great. 
That was mm-hmm. great. That was fabulous. I think you should talk like that all the time because I just... That was great. <laughs> so yeah, we take a little trip back in time to December 1996. Yeah, fun times. Can, can I be honest for a minute? Yes. I was highly disappointed that Teenage Beth's room was not a little more versed in 90s pop artists. Yeah. I, I was expecting like, uh, I don't know, who was, who was popular in 90s? Like a Hootie and the Blowfish? Yeah. Or, or who were the boy bands back then? Insane yeah, might have been Insane. a little after that. Hanson, maybe. No, oh, who was it? The uh, New Kids on the Block, weren't they in the 90s? Yeah, like, I mean, they were more like early 90s. They kind of fizzled okay. by then. Backstreet Boys. Like, you know, I was, I was hoping that there would have been more, like, this guy's hair was a little too feathery for like 96. Yes. Just gonna say. Just gonna say. So, anyway, all right. Yeah, that's my little, right. sorry, that's my little detour into pop culture history. So... I was a pop culture review. <laughs> Shout out to Pop Culture Review. You can check out yeah. my season two Yellowstone recaps over there. Yeah. <laughs> Are we gonna talk about, we're we gonna say out loud that she's started her period wait yeah you just did it uh so okay but like i don't feel like there's ever a not an awkward moment for this to happen like has anybody you know how you like talk about this with your girlfriends at mm-hmm. some point in your life mm-hmm. and like everybody has a story like they're all awkward right they're all yeah. in like christmas morning or like on I your birthday i was babysitting i had to like rummage around in my the, the woman who hired me in her bathroom in her, uh, <laughs> For, you know, a little bit of something and like, like trying to calculate by how old is she? Does she have the stuff? <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it's like, I feel like there's never, like no one's ever stories just like, oh, I was sitting in my room, like just chilling. Yeah. No. Like, no, no, that no. never happened. I was at a water park. Yep. That's like, right. It's fine. Yeah. Like it's no big deal. Just a water park. Yeah. Right. Oh my God. So it's Christmas morning. <laughs> Her brothers are downstairs <laughs> like, what is going on? And they're just like, you know, they're making fun of her. Yeah. You know, I thought so- Lee looked way too old compared yeah. to the other kids. Like that character. I was right. like, was he really that much older than them? Well, we knew that Jamie's 36 and mm-hmm. Beth is just a little bit younger than him. And then Casey looked like a little kid. He, yeah, I get the feeling he's a bit younger than them. Especially if he was like in the Navy SEALs not that long ago. He'd have to be younger and fitter. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Lee did look a lot older. I just noticed that. But yeah, so she's, her mom goes up to check on her and is really mean. But no, I thought at first she was really sweet about it. Yeah. Yeah. She was like, I'm going to run you a bath. It'll help with the cramps. And then John comes in and she's like, no, 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 you're not coming in. I got this. Don't worry about it. And she just turned. She's like a snake. Yeah. Like, what is the speech about? I, I honestly, like, what is this? I don't get the feeling that that was the moment that her mother decided to be hard on Beth because what we know now, so the timeline is December 96 is when this flashback is happening and then March of 97 is when the mom dies, right? Mm -hmm. So we knew that from a couple episodes back. So I really don't think that in six months or less than six months that Beth got that destroyed from her mother's actions. I feel like this is just mom's way of being harder on Beth. Now I'm going to be even harder on you. Why is there a tradition in the mothers of this family to turn their daughters into men? Why? What? I don't understand what this is. Because you live on a ranch, you have to be like a man? Yeah, I don't know. I just didn't get this. And I didn't, I didn't feel like the day you start your period is the day for your mom to, like, rip you a new one and be like, guess what? Now you're going to have to be even more savage. Right. Like, what? 
I don't know. I just didn't get it. Yeah. I'm just being like hard on this scene. I don't think you're being hard on this scene. I, I was like, what? I just, just don't get it. It's like mom's interpretation of how she needs to raise her daughter to survive on her rent. I don't know, but it's just not a way that's benefiting Beth in any way because she seems just terrified. Right? And I don't think it's just that she's just terrified of what's happened with her period and soiling her underwear or whatever. I feel like she's afraid of her mom's reaction. Yeah. The fact that mom is nice to her to start out and then was just like, hmm, well, now everything's going to change. Yeah. And I just didn't get the segue for Beth then to come back to reality and decide to conquer whatever her fear is by riding a horse badly. <laughs> I just just didn't get the segue, I guess. I didn't, yeah, I didn't get why that memory of her mother being hard on her and telling her basically like, I'm going to teach you how to be, yeah, man up equals Beth riding a horse again. But I do feel like maybe this is her, you know, because her dad told her to man up. Her, Her people are, you know, her brother's telling her to get your shit together, like stop spiraling. And so maybe this is like, okay, I haven't ridden a horse since the day my mother died. I need to get back on the horse, like like they say, and conquer this fear. So is that, I feel like that's just where she went mentally based on that memory, but I don't get the correlation. But no, that makes sense that because she did have the bad moment on the horse and that resulted in the mom's fall, that does make a lot of sense. But I just found the way in which they dealt with that and resolved those emotions with Walker basically coming in for comedic effect. Essentially. I love him. He He brought the whole tension of that scene way down with like his ability to diffuse the situation and and sort of bring her back to reality in a way. And like giving her like sensations that she can relate to. Mm -hmm. You know, saying, well, how do you feel now? And she's like, I'm going to pepper spray you. It feels like you want to hurt me. But (laughs) this is me being cynical. It really Mm -hmm. is. I feel like this whole scene with Walker... While it did diffuse Beth's moment and her interior rant, I feel like it was also a plant to get Rip to hate Walker, just to develop more friction. Because Rip sees the two of them. Is there friction? Well, I feel like the look on Rip's face is not going to end well for Walker. I feel like Rip is looking at him now as a threat. Hmm. Does that make sense? So... Two things, two things. I'm just trying to decide if I'm trying to like play back my head. I'll give you back the other moment. So later on when Beth brings Tate down to the bunkhouse because she's like, I can make you a cheese plate when John asks her to take care of him. And Walker is playing in the bunkhouse and they're having a good old time. And she like kind of like looks back at Rip and she goes, oh, I guess you brought the music festival to me. And she stares back at Walker and there's this look of murder on Rip's face. So no, I, I picked up on that. Yeah. So I feel like earlier in the in the episode when we saw Walker having his hands on Beth's hips and getting her to ride a horse. And it's just it was a very intimate scene. And we know that Beth isn't obviously swayed by anybody or anything. But Rip is feeling a little insecure about Beth. I mean, she ripped him a new one. Yeah. Not, not to be pun intended. Um, when they first like reconnected and she was like, you know, I thought your deck was bigger, you know? So there's not a lot of security in Rip's mind when it comes to Beth and her now having this perceived intimate moment with Walker, with the horse and her sort of being enamored with him, with playing music in the bunkhouse. I just feel like this is ripe for tension because, you know, Rip got rid of Fred at the train station and now he's got Walker to replace him. So there was yeah. tension between Rip and Fred. I just feel like this is ripe for like the new soap opera saga. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. I don't know. This is just, uh, this is what I kind of picked up on the episode. I see where you're going with that. Yeah. I might be yeah. reading too much into it emotionally, but who knows? Yeah, because I just didn't feel there was any connection romantically between Walker and Beth. So Oh, I no, I didn't either. Right, so I didn't see that as like a thing that could happen. So, but I was like didn't... thinking about it from Rip's perspective. You're, you're right. Yeah, yeah. So I and was. We know that men can sometimes be insecure, <laughs> no less than women. I'm jealous. Right. <laughs> like yeah. y'all are crazy, but. Um... <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I see where you're going with that, and it's totally possible. So I don't think you're wrong, but I just didn't really go there. I really like how Walker diffused that situation for Beth, though. Mm-hmm. I just sort of felt like, yeah, that's true. Like, I'd only ridden horses a few times, and I am terrified of them because they are huge. They are huge. Exactly. And even though, like, my mom's best friend who has a horse, like, oh, this is the sweetest horse. Like, I don't care. That horse is, like, way bigger than me. Horses so like I never, <laughs> yeah, I never have a comfortable experience riding a horse because I think the horse can tell how freaking terrified i am well that's exactly what he was saying he's like yeah and that's true you know feel a fly laying on his back imagine what he's feeling from you yeah Yeah. that's how it i mean that's what happens when i ride a horse is it's it's not fun because that's i'm not comfortable yeah (laughs) so the horse is not doing what i want it to do and it's just better for me to get off like okay i'm done know what i want the horse to do let alone like yeah just turn the reins i'm like what i don't even know what that means what does that even mean (laughs) turn the reins Two so, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm sure that's not even what that's not probably not even the proper term. <laughs> I know, exactly. Well, Cowboys don't come at me, man. What I'm do sorry. We know? Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I am from Texas, but I don't have a horse. I'm from New York. That's my excuse. Yeah. <laughs> I'm from downstate uh, New York. I'm from like New York City. So that yeah. happened. Can we talk about Tate and Beth for a second? Yeah. <laughs> I had never realized, I guess, that they hadn't met. Before. Okay, thank you. I'm like, is this just more of the continuing family dysfunction? Kids tell yes. like nine or ten years old, and who are you? Like, had he never seen a picture or a like, story about his aunt? Like, my brother lives in Dubai, and my seven-year-old child knows who he is. Right. Because we have pictures, we FaceTime with him and his wife, we and we talk, we talk about him. So he knows Uncle Kieran, he knows... Well, my kids have endless questions about my childhood and who, Oh yeah, I I can't tell you how many times they ask me who's the older sister. I'm like, I have explained this to you like 700 times. Right. So I'm sure at some point Tate asked, like, do you have any sisters? Do you have, you know, like, or maybe it was just conversation that just wasn't permitted. I I guess he's like, we don't talk about that. Yeah. We don't talk about that. We're done. We don't talk. She's she who shall not be named. That is a fitting description for Beth. Um, yes. Basically, she's like a female Voldemort. <laughs> how many? I mean, how many stories are there about Beth? Like, in people in her life who are like, "Oh, yeah, we're not going to talk about that girl." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She must so, not be named exactly. But I thought it was cute. She's like, "Let's go see what the Cowboys are having for supper." I'm like, "Good plan." Yes, because otherwise she'd be phoning Gator wherever he is. Be like, Gator. Need to come here and make him something. Pancakes or something. Yeah. Some, you know donuts the size of pie plates or whatever it was the last I tried time. I had nothing for dinner the other day I was just like at a loss like oh, I don't know and pancakes. I was like can I make you pancakes and my son was like but it's not breakfast I'm like but you could eat pancakes now I will let you and he was like uh I okay. guess <laughs> it was so weird for him he's like wait what <laughs> like pancakes why are, why are for you, dinner why are you doing this yeah like what like, trouble am i going to be in afterwards that i don't know mom about? has zero ideas on what to feed you so let's just do pancakes <laughs> mom is tapped out yeah 
Well, okay, so we finished now talking about like what's happened to the Duttons. Mm-hmm. And so the other forces in play here are the big ones are Dan and Rainwater. So they yeah. they meet again. I am just not too confident in their plan. See, if you're coming after John Dutton, you gotta you align guys, your planets to you guys like don't have it together right. and don't seem that scary at this point. Right. Like they're still very tense and they don't trust each other and there's a lot of squabbling between his people and their people. And it just feels As like there should be. <laughs> yeah. But it definitely feels like Rainwater's got the upper hand in terms of the organization and the ability to like finance a casino. And Dan is kind of being bamboozled, it feels like. I agree. I was going to say that. It just doesn't feel like there's a fair deal or it doesn't feel like someone's being completely honest. It sounded better last episode like it sounded much more equitable and now i guess when pen comes to paper here the details are now something that dan is like whoa 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 i don't know about this yeah and rainwater makes it clear that he's out to destroy john his aim is to destroy john in the yellowstone but he tells dan like i don't tell uh people who aren't my partners the plan and you're not that yet Mm-hmm. So, like what you said, like if you're going to come after him, you need to like get it together. You need to align. You need to figure out what it is that you're doing. And this is not the way. I felt, <laughs> I felt that Dan was like, you can't BS a BS artist. He's like, I used yeah. to run the California lottery. I'm like, oh, this makes a ton of sense as yes. to why you are the way that you are. <laughs> yeah. I wrote the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Like, but then the Rainwater Dan connection goes nowhere. But I liked the movement that Melody... Is her name Melody or Melody? I think it's Melody. I, Sorry, I, I think it's Melody. I keep writing Melody. Okay, maybe it is I Melody. Write. So she found her felony against John with moving the river. Because, you know, yeah. we hadn't really heard anything from the fallout from this. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of coming back together with this. So we, we saw the actions of the bear and now she's got the the fact that the water supply was a food source for this endangered grizzly bear. And that is a felony. I would be hard-pressed to find anyone who's actually been charged with a felony, <laughs> I'm sure. But, yep, she's got it. He's thrilled. He's thrilled. Like, he feels like he's got him now. I just walked away from that scene feeling like they don't seem that scary yet. Like, they right. don't really have it together yet. Right. They're not formidable. This is like a gnat, uh, like, landing on the back of a horse right now yeah. to John Dutton. Essentially. And I would, yeah, and I would agree that Rainwater has the upper hand. And he was trying to play Jenkins too. Like we both want the same thing. We're both enemies of John Dunn. Like he's trying. Yeah, it feels sort of like he's trying to bamboozle Dan Jenkins a little bit. And Dan knows it. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's not good. So they need to get it together if yep. they're going to come at this guy. I mean, I'm not saying I want them to. I'm just saying they need to. Yeah, but you know, we got three episodes left. Uh, yeah, you know, two more. Only nine episodes this season so there's only two more oh. to get it together yeah they better yeah. they better work on yeah, that figure this out what did you think about the meeting that rainwater has with, with the kid this is really the only other thing i had about rainwater the kid who threw the punch that sidelined monica mm-hmm. what did you think about the conversation he had with him i kind of like watching rainwater when he's talking to his people i feel like there's a genuine love and respect there I like him when he's on the reservation. When he's being the chief of his people. I felt very genuine and sincere that he actually wants to see this kid, like, have a path in life for this not to be the only thing that defines him. Right. I thought it was very genuine and sincere and kind. 
and I like the metaphor that he drew too, that you know, you have two paths in front of you, one is wide, one is narrow. I think that's a really good way to describe to somebody who's now at a very pivotal point as this poor kid is. And he did have this moment of cynicism though, like when he first walked in and he was talking to Ben, the, the chief, like he's feeling remorse for who or for, for himself or for her. Mm-hmm. There was this moment of cynicism or whatever it is, but uh, it's firmly showing that he's rooted in reality. And then I did feel that cynicism kind of come back afterwards when he's driving away and Mo is talking to him and Rainwater's like despairing at the state mm-hmm. of the reservation the quality of life of the people and that he hoped that he could have done more and Mo's yeah. like and, and then Mo came off as the most cynical he's like yeah I heard that from the last chair but I was like oh my god is it these people I just feel like there's no they're just in a spiral yeah and like there's no there's no way off of this for them didn't leave me in a in a good place for no. for anybody but I just thought it was interesting that Mo, who we've heard very little from, had this very despairing point of view. Like, yep, yeah, I heard that from the last guy. And he wasn't trying to be mean about it. He was just being honest. Yeah. I mean, this is doesn't look good. Right. And this is just our, this is just our reality. Yeah. I, I really like Rainwater, though. I do, too. It seems like his heart for his people are in the right place, you know? Right. And I like that. I agree. All right, so who's left? We got, oh, I got the bunkhouse boys. Our lovely bunkhouse yes. boys. Yeah, we kind of like try to end on an upswing, although this is not an upswing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got cute boys. Well, I think Well, more, than, more than Rip part. So the bunkhouse boys, I'm kind of lumping Rip in there, too. Rip has yeah. a, little bit, a little bit of a hard time. But no, the three of them, Ryan, Colby, and Jimmy, together out in, <laughs> in the fields or whatever, they were in the woods. Speaking of bad news bears, the bear comes back. Right. I got such, um, I don't know if it's like Three Stooges or Betty Hill. Like, I got like a very like old timey kind of like caper. Slapstick comedy. Yes, like of this like caper comedy where it's like, where's the rifle? You're going to take the rifle. Do you have a rifle? Do you have a gun? No, I'm a felon. Like, like, let's go hunt a bear without a gun. Hello. Yeah. So, I don't know. I just feel it wasn't the place to laugh, but there I was. Especially when Jimmy ended up having to shimmy up the tree to get rid of the bear. I was just like... <laughs> I love Walker, though. He's like, do we even like this guy? Like, do we care? Like, do we... Like, <laughs> what's, your, what's your name again? <laughs> I'm like, what's your name? Like, do I... Like, what the hell am I doing here with these fools? Yeah. Like... <laughs> so funny. But in fairness, I mean, like, I'm a city kid, and there were plenty of times that I needed new shorts when I was in Montana and Wyoming because of run-ins with wildlife. <laughs> yeah. So I feel for Jimmy. Um, didn't have to shimmy up a tree, but definitely had to like dodge a moose. Well, I thought that tree was definitely not big enough. No, I, I was th- like Jimmy, pick like a better a tree, buddy. buddy. It felt like a Bugs Bunny cartoon. Like I felt like he was going to get up the tree and the tree was going to bend. Yeah, the bear was going to be like, mm. <laughs> here's my snack, snack. <laughs> snacky snack. Uh. <laughs> I just felt bad for Jimmy because like, do we, do we even like this guy? What's your name again? <laughs> And Jimmy's like, where's my horse? He's like, freaking Tennessee by now, dude. <laughs> yeah, your horse oh, is gone. Oh, my gosh. How far away were they to have for him to have to... <laughs> like, they're hunting a bear. Like, they're not close to the ranch. They're going to make him walk back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they don't even offer him a ride. Not, no. Not, no. And then, okay, but seriously, it's not like, let's rope the bear. Like, that's the best plan, is to rope a bear. Yeah. 
Like, hello. <laughs> oh, I just thought that the exchange between Ryan and Walker was hilarious. It's like, Ryan's like, how's your roping? And Walker's like, in a bit early to get this Western. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was just a brilliant line. I just they feel like this hilarious. is Walker's, like, deadpan humor. Like, so far that we've seen of him, like, he's very, he's very even <laughs> in how he approaches things. And it just comes off as hilarious in, it like, is. these tense situations. Let me, what did I tell Beth? He said something like, well, he just buckarooed you on your peanut. It's like, what? <laughs> like, he said something. That was funny. Like, I love the way he talks. I love how, yeah, he's just matter of fact. Like, what the hell? Uh, yeah, and the buckarooed onto your peanut thing. It's just, ugh. He was totally <laughs> in the right place at the right time to cut her down. Yeah. <laughs> Without knowing anything about her, knowing that she was going to, like, eat him up. <laughs> he's, like, looking around like, how did I end up in this joint? <laughs> Yeah, he does have that look of bewilderment, like, what is this? It's <laughs> <That's> hilarious. <laughs> oh, gosh. So they survived the bear, and, and then the bear finds Rip. <sighs> what is Rip doing out there by himself, wandering around? Yeah, like, him and John talked about, like, he knows that the bear is out there. And is he looking for the bear, too? I don't know, but his spidey sense picks up on something. <laughs> He's on high alert. I honestly thought that the bear was going to have the horse as a snack. Didn't see what was coming, coming. Um, definitely mm-hmm. thought the, the horse, then Rip would be in the camp of Jimmy having to walk back to the ranch. Yeah. Thought the bear was going to have the, the horse for a snack. But did you pick up on what he was picking up on in terms of what was hanging over the cliff? No. Did you hear a sound? Like, I didn't... I heard sounds, but I just assumed it was just the bear. So he's hearing yeah. two different things. And the way that they did it was really good because it's like just snippets of the bear yep. like it felt like the bear was going to like be on him in a second yeah. because like it was just a cutaway and then back to rip and then the bear looked closer so yeah I just and <laughs> the then bear's I, like hiding behind the skinny tree yeah. and then all of a sudden it's there <laughs> <laughs> the bear like wily e. coyote like tiptoes over yes, there yes <laughs> exactly that's what well you know again not humorous but that's where my mind just goes God, we are literally uh. the same person um <laughs> But no, I didn't hear any human voices at first. No. What the hell? How long have these two fools been hanging off the side of a cliff? Yeah. Were they climbing? They didn't have a rope, so they were climbing away from the bear? Like, I'm confused. Um, What I picked up on was that they were hiking, and then they spotted the bear, and then they got lost. They were hiking, got lost. They spotted the bear, and then they were, I guess, running from the bear, and they didn't see that that was a cliff. That's kind so of, they fell. Yeah, but I mean, like, that's a million-dollar fall if you're going to fall onto, like, the teeny tiny ledge that's there. Okay. So. Yeah. Uh, but I, hmm, I was not expecting as graphic a scene as what happened to these wayward hikers. They really yeah, spared nothing kind of in that up. fall. Really. Mm-mm. No, I expected a cutaway. Yeah. But no, we saw her, poor Kim, yep. all the way down. Ugh. I think what unnerved me most, and I, this is like, I don't know if this is a testament to my own cynicism or if this is like 2020 finally like having its effect on me. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't upset necessarily at the fall of her and then him him basically letting go of the rope. It was the fact that Rip was showing emotion. Yes, he was completely unnerved, freaked out. Yes, and not he didn't even. I thought honestly when the guy dropped the rope. And fell himself that Rip was going to slide down as well because yeah. he was using all of his weight to like counter their weight and then obviously the, the tension on the rope went so he didn't even have a chance to recover and <sighs> then the bear the bear charged the bear's like charging him yeah so 
Jeez. Yeah. So the fact that he's so rattled and then he has the wherewithal to get himself back together and he calls Jamie, we need the sheriff. And, you know, he he doesn't spend long in his emotions, but just the yeah. seeing him rattled in that one moment was just very much not what I needed to see. Like, Rick, right. you're a rock. Don't crumble on me now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, it's it was a very emotional seen for him like that look on his face i was just like stop stop don't like don't yeah. grab the robe i can't do but like he's yelling at them and they're not listening and it's like panic mode i oh mean people gosh. do truly panic in those moments yes i did not that hanging off a cliff but in that my car accident with my sister yeah i completely panicked <laughs> the guy the the emt i was like i can't feel my arms i can't feel my arms he's like that's because you're not breathing lady <laughs> he was like take a deep breath i was oh like oh oh okay <laughs> he was like i'm freaking out he's like uh lady just calm just take a breath relax a friend of mine yeah a friend of mine and i were swimming in the ocean this is a long long time ago and this guy was he was caught in a rip current and he was he was panicking and we we were we were swimming on in and we were like we felt the rip current we're like okay well we're strong enough that we were kind of like pushing through it Mm -hmm. not him he was freaking the freak out and we you know swam over to try to help him and he pushed my friend and he pushed her down yep and i was like dude what are you doing and he was screaming panicking screaming and i couldn't even understand what he was saying but he pushed her down again and like she came up and the two of us swung at him yeah yeah and i was like you can stay here we'll go get you a lifeguard (laughs) i'm like go that way and you'll be fine and we'll tell the lifeguard so we like started calling for the lifeguard but i'm like dude are you i'm like send my friend like are you okay she's like I wasn't expecting that. I was like, yeah, neither was I. He was, the guy ended up being fine. Like the lifeguards yeah. came out and we stayed close enough, but we were just like, no, we're not going near you. We're, yeah. we were strong enough swimmers, but not strong enough to withstand him. But I feel bad. Like that's the only man I've ever punched no. in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and he, my, he thought he was drowning. My husband loves to tell the story of how we went on a vacation. I'm trying to think it was not our honeymoon, but it was just, I think just a different vacation. And I had a panic moment in the ocean where I was being caught up in the waves and he came over to try to help me. And I straight up shoved him under the water to get a breath. I couldn't breathe. And I was legit panicking. And he was like, you just tried to kill me. I was like, I can't breathe. (laughs) It wasn't intentional. It's not like you're like, (laughs) no, it was completely reactionary. Like I just needed to breathe. And Mm -hmm. he was there and I put my hands on his shoulders and shoved him under the water. That is exactly the pose that that guy did to my friend that he got her shoulders and he basically lost as if he was going to leapfrog over Mm -hmm. her shoulders. That's exactly what I did. Yep. I was in straight panic mode. I so you're could lucky not I breathe. There, I would have clocked you. I know. I'm so, I mean, he. Yeah, my husband was like, "What the hell?" But he still. I will never. You'll be never live it down. This You'll never because he will tell everyone. Mm-hmm. And so here I am telling the world, owning up to the fact That's that okay. I'm feeling we were going to be on that like murdered on vacation like yes. spousal show like. He was going to play it as like a murder. Like she tried to murder me. Yeah, exactly. Like, no, I was just trying to breathe. And I would be sitting there judging you. I'd be like, she totally did it. I know. (laughs) She planned that. Because I watch those shows. Yeah. It was just, and then uh, we went on a separate vacation, and they had the same activity. It was like when you go to the Stingray Reef or whatever. I was uh-huh. like, babe, I, re- I really do want to do it. And he was like, hell no, we're not doing that again. I was like, but I promise. Like, that was just a one-time That was a one-time only deal. I, I had like a panic moment, and he was like, uh, no. 
<laughs> like he refuses to ever see stingrays with me again. So <laughs> he's like, nope. <laughs> you need to have the opportunity to atone for your, uh, yeah, for your actions there. Because it wasn't so. done like you weren't being malicious about it. I, I wasn't. I, feel I was you. straight panicking. up panicking, like yeah. for real. So nothing wrong with that. So anyways, we're talking about panicking, but that's where Rip was. Like, yep. that's the look on his face. Mm-hmm. And that's, like you said, that is not a Rip look. It's not and... what I needed to see in 2020. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's not okay, Rip. We need you to keep it together. That's right. I almost felt, though, that when he got back to the bunkhouse and he walked in to Beth sitting there, like, smiling at them playing music, that that look on his face was sort of the same, like, twilight zone of him. Like, what is happening today? Like, I don't know if he looked angry. He did look angry. But he almost looked sad or confused or just in that emotion of, like, what is happening? Right. So that's why I was coming back to, like, this notion that because his emotions were so raw yeah. that he might just deflect what he's feeling onto Walker yeah, and feel okay. that they, there might be something, even though there's nothing, something between him and Beth. Yeah. That it could just lead to some sort of tension between him and Walker. Because so already they're, they're not off to like a great start because, you know, they're right. But anyhow, it's like a highly emotional day for him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... That leaves us like pretty open ended. Like we don't really know what's coming next. There was no sort of hint where right. the next episode's going. So it could go anywhere. We could be with Rainwater and Jenkins. We could be spending more time with John falling apart. Apparently, <laughs> we could. I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. I didn't watch it. Well, we've got a couple of things, right? We got a couple of things brewing. We got Sarah, the reporter. She's digging yep. in now. Now she's you know locked hooks into Jamie and his campaign. So his campaign is going to probably expose some fun things. And we've got Dan and Jenkins. I'm Dan and Jenkins. Dan and Rainwater. <laughs> um, and you know their sort of plans on the periphery. They're they're going to congeal to something. And yeah. so, yeah, there's like this two pronged approach. You got the reporter, you've got whatever the power shift is that John was talking about, like with the governor, but, you know, maybe she's had enough of John and his kids shenanigans between Jamie, not knowing about the cancer <laughs> and Beth. I don't know. Maybe this is fallout from that, from that. Who knows? Yeah. But, uh, we shall see. I'm yeah. excited. I'm excited. Two more episodes. So the, the next two episodes are actually, it's, it's called the unraveling part one and part two. Uh-oh. So it's, so part one, you know, is going to be a cliffhanger for part two. Yay. So we will see you back here very shortly. Yeah. And we'll talk soon. Yes. Yeah, so if you could head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast from, if you could give us five stars and rate, review, and subscribe, it would be greatly appreciated. Thank you. This is Steph. And this is Sheila. We'll see you back here soon for Yellowstone from Pod Clubhouse. Thanks. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you.